Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Okay, welcome back to five reasons why company culture is the key to success. Yesterday, we talked about values. In today's podcast, we are going to be talking about feedback, feedback to everyone that you work with. We want to make sure employees get feedback all the time. Managers must start providing useful feedback regularly. Wendy, what does regular mean? Regular feedback does not mean once a year. Does it even mean twice a year? Does it mean quarterly? Regular means as often as possible. The bad news is that this will take up more time than you probably have. And I really don't have any other good news about that. It is going to take up more time. But if you can save an employee from walking out the door by giving them feedback and letting them know that you're there to help them, then that is worth it. Now, there is some good news. The good news is that individual feedback does not have to always be super time-consuming. It does not require super complicated forms. It does require two-way constructive conversation. So I said conversation. Not an email, not a memo, not a form that's sent for the employee to read actual two-way conversation. Without a conversation, it is simply talking at someone, which is exactly what the outdated once-a-year review forms accomplished. Pretty much nothing. Why wait 11 and a half months to tell somebody something? Tell them today if things are going well. Tell them today if things are not going well. Stop comparing employees when providing feedback. Sure, in your mind as a manager, you might be comparing people and you might even be doing it on a system or a spreadsheet because you're trying to figure out, you know, who's next in line for a promotion, who's going to get, you know, what part of the, the budget for raises. But do not compare people in the actual meeting. Do not be like, hey, John, I wish you were more like Mary, because all you're doing is setting them up for failure. You're setting them up for confusion, resentment. Uh, and it, it's really not the way to manage. It should be individual, two-way conversation. This is why feedback is viewed as a failure because we often do it way too late or not at all, right? We do it on some form, never have an actual conversation. And then we set people up for failure because we're giving them a rating but we're not actually saying, okay, but this is what I'm going to do to help you. And I'm going to check in on Tuesday to see how you're doing. And then we're going to meet next Thursday to see how it went. And then I'm going to put you in training and development to see if this can improve things. In the Global State of Employee Engagement Survey, which was conducted across 157 countries worldwide, 32% of employees who were asked, said that they had to wait more than three months to get feedback from their manager, leaving many wishing that their manager communicated more frequently with them. 
No one should wait three months to talk to their manager about their performance or behavior. What I often hear from my clients included is, oh no, I talk to them every day. And I'm like, well, you're talking to them about project status, what's going on with the client or the customer, you know, the widget that you're making, the service that they're providing, but you're not actually talking to the individual employee and asking them how things are going and giving them constructive feedback, good, bad, indifferent of how you see their career. In that same survey that I mentioned, 15% of employees surveyed did not see themselves working at the same company within one year from now. Folks, this was pre-pandemic that these surveys came out. I can guarantee you if we did an after survey, if we could somehow do that, these same individuals say, yep, I left, either voluntarily or involuntarily. If they somehow made it through the pandemic without being let go because of uh, layoffs, Many employees are now leaving and have been in droves. And I know this because I am recruiting those unhappy employees to go to good employers who may not be paying as well, but certainly have a better culture and reputation among their employees. If these 32% of unhappy employees don't matter to you, then the thought of losing 15% of your employees when the next year, within the next year should matter to you and to your bottom line, because it is going to affect the bottom line. It's costly to replace people, but more importantly, equally importantly, I should say, is if you cannot replace them or it takes a long time to replace them, your customers and your clients suffer. And therefore, you may lose customers, which is incredibly expensive. Another survey from Soapbox is states that up to 80% of an organization's opportunity for improvement comes, guess what, directly from frontline employees. So if you're losing frontline employees and you don't think it's a big deal because they could be easily replaced, well, your opportunities for improvement are pretty much walking out the door with them. Why? Because no matter how long they've been with the organization, they store knowledge in their brain and they can see as they're working on a product or a service that things can be improved. Your executives aren't going to see that. They know something's wrong, but they don't know how things are put together on the front line. Those folks do. So we want to be working on engagement and on feedback. So engagement through feedback to make sure we are increasing retention and not losing our valuable employees and our valuable knowledge walking out that door. How do we start by providing feedback? Again, let's start all the way from the beginning in the interviewing process and the hiring process. Use a job description for hiring. Use a job description for official performance and behavior reviews. Use a job description for regular, unofficial, as well as official feedback. Use a job description in order to create promotions or, unfortunately, in some cases, demotions or even terminations, possibly because of layoffs or poor performance and behavior. If written properly, if a job description is written properly, it takes away all concerns of not being diverse, equitable, or inclusive. It also removes any forms of bias, including favoritism. 
um, and including any kind of discrimination, age, race, gender, gender orientation, and so on. But most importantly, a proper job description explains to the employee, whether it's a new hire or a long-term employee, what is expected in the future. And it engages them on what is going well and what is not going well. Here's the thing. The magical ingredient for learning is not adding to something that isn't there. Learning is recognize, reinforcing, and refining what is already there. So what skills, knowledge, skills, and abilities your employees already have. So you need to provide them feedback on what they already have. So you can say thumbs up, thumbs down. I always give this example. You know, you could provide all the feedback you want on your employee's inability to speak French, but it's not going to change his or her ability or desire to speak French. If you need somebody to speak French, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to have to give them training and development options to learn how to speak French so that can now be part of their job description, or you're going to need to hire somebody else. But if you hired somebody knowing they needed to speak French, and then you miraculously want them to speak French, that's on you, not on them. And so they're going to walk out the door, voluntarily or otherwise, give you a bad reviewed view in the community, and then move on to someone else, to another organization. So we need to be careful, you know, when we're giving feedback. Managers somehow believe that feedback has this magical ingredient that people are going to come back the next day and they're going to have new knowledge, new skills, new abilities. That's absolutely not the case. It has to be paired with a training and development plan. Coaching. Feedback from you all the time. And yes, side-by-side assistance from you. Criticism is not feedback. Criticism assumes that your way, the manager's way, is the better way. And criticism scientifically inhibits the brain from learning. So if you're a manager, if you have a manager who is always criticizing others, criticizing employees, your employee's brain starts literally tuning out that manager as they're walking towards them. They tune out the criticism. It's not the employee's fault. Hint, this works at home too. It's not the people that live with you that are saying, I'm going to ignore you. Their brain starts saying, you are a danger to me and I'm going to ignore you. Paying attention to somebody's weaknesses smothers their brain. So why don't we turn it around and pay attention to things that are going well? And of course, you're not always going to ignore everybody's weaknesses and say, oh, okay, well, you don't fit the job description, but everything else is going well. But let's face it, I hate to put it this way, but we're desperate for employees. And so sometimes maybe you need to change the job description and say, this is what ideally I want it. I can't find anybody. So I'm going to change this job into two different roles. And we're going to put this current employee with all the positives over here. And then we're going to hire somebody for the other skills that the current employee doesn't have. So we have to get out of our own way. And we need to make sure that we are giving information to our employees in a positive way. Of course, there might be negative things, but we're not going to be able to change people's knowledge, skills, and abilities overnight, magically, by critiquing them. 
I encourage you to look at uh, an article that was written by Ashley Goodall. It's in the Forbes and Forbes.com and it's called nine lies about work. And I thought it was very interesting. So I'll let you, you know, search that on your own. But in that, you know, they, we talk about if you cannot find positive feedback to provide to an employee, uh, what I say is, well, one of two things, again, either change the job, put them in a different role. It could be time though for an improvement plan. Notice that I don't say performance improvement plan. Nine out of 10 times it is performance improvement, but sometimes it's behavior improvement. A lot of behaviors that are going to align with your company values, which we talked about in the first session of this podcast, you are absolutely expected them to come to the table with day one. But for some roles, people may not know what those values mean. And so you have to do training on them. You have to do training on what these behaviors mean. And that's okay, but you can't just expect it overnight. Remember also that in reviews, in like the official reviews, the yearly reviews, which I despise because they're too late and they're outdated, you're basically talking about the past and you're not focusing on the future. So make sure if you are doing official reviews only once a year, again, I don't recommend that, that you're having regular conversations with your employees all the time so that you're focusing on the future. Otherwise, you're wasting their time and you're wasting yours. And also remember that their perception is their reality. So it's up to you to clarify the facts on how they're doing, on providing feedback. So their perception doesn't end up feeding the rumor mill. So everybody has a you know right to their own opinion, but you need to make sure you're circling around to make sure the employee is performing and behaving according to the job description. And remember, the job description is now going to include expected behaviors, aka values in the workplace. I do have a, a white paper and it's in a couple of my books as well. Six steps to verbally address a performance or behavior issue with an employee. Remember, even if you're addressing things verbally, you should always follow up in writing. Why? So that it's documented that it actually happened. We get busy. Uh, we mean to document things we don't. And then we're trying to get rid of employee because they're not living up to the expectations. And somebody like me would say, hey, did you give them a, a warning? Did you talk to them? A lawyer may ask that, a court may ask that, and you'll have no proof it was if it was just verbal. So rule number one for me is always have a verbal conversation with an employee. If you're just sending a passive aggressive email or a note, you're part of the problem. So let's get that out of the way. But then rule number two is always follow up that verbal conversation with something in writing. I don't care if it's on a fancy form or if it's just an email, just make sure the employee actually receives that information. Why do we want to do it also in writing is sometimes the employee, after having this conversation about their negative behavior or performance, they might be in a state of shock or they might just be in disbelief or fear when the conversation happens. So it might go in one ear and out the other. They may think they're about to get fired when that's not what you said. Um, or they may not take it seriously because nothing was in writing. So you want to make sure you cover your assets 
again, don't end up in court, don't end up on a lawyer's, um, you know, in a lawyer's letter. Most HR or legal experts are also going to tell you to get the employees to sign it. I'm telling you at a minimum, have the conversation with the person um, in real life, you know, whether it is on Zoom or whether it's on the phone, but preferably in person if possible, and then document it with that person, not just some isolated binder full of secret complaints. So what are the six steps that I mentioned for addressing performance or behavior issues? Remember, it's not just performance. It could be behavior issues. Number one is identify the behavior or the action or the lack of. So be very crystal clear of what you're there to talk about. You did, you were supposed to do this and you didn't. You were supposed to act this way and you acted the other way. Number two, identify the impact on the team or the bottom line of their behavior or their action. Number three, identify the change expected. Be very detailed and specific. Make zero assumptions. I need you to be on work on time starting tomorrow. No exceptions whatsoever, unless, say, it's a sick FMLA, ADA issues, et cetera, et cetera. And you could outline policies there. Number four, identify a deadline for the change. And yes, it can be immediately. Now, be careful there. Usually behavior changes are immediately. Like, like I said, um, coming into work on time, dropping the negative attitude, violating the dress code policy. But some changes are going to take time because they're lacking in performance because they need training and they need coaching. And maybe now they're going through a class. So maybe the change will be 30 days for that. Number five, identify a consequence if this change in their behavior or performance does not happen. The consequence can be termination. It could be you're being removed from this improvement plan and going back to, you know, regular employee. It could be that um, they're possibly getting put in another training program and um, moving on to a promotion. And of course, it could be they self-select their self out. But we need to have a consequence. If you don't have a consequence in that meeting, then what is their motivation to make any change? And then sixth, finally, celebrate the change or implement the consequence. So let's just hope everything goes well Yep, they're having a great attitude. They're not violating the dress code anymore. They're actually performing their job. They're completing projects as we've discussed. Um, you know, in the QA process, they're doing very well. Yay, celebrate it. Let them know that you're proud of them, that they're good to go, and they're coming off this, you know, improvement plan or just this conversation. On the other hand, you may have to implement the consequence, which may be termination. I'm not saying run around and celebrate that because that's not good news for anybody, but it is good news to remove somebody who's not being effective from the workplace so that the rest of the team can get on with their jobs and feel engaged that a negative worker or a poorly performing worker, no matter how much they like them, is not impeding their ability to be an awesome employee. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast, brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.